Well, good morning. How many of you know it's good to be in the house of the Lord, especially with the presence that God is here today? And uh, I feel so blessed in the opportunity that Pastor has given me to be able to speak today and, and to kind of lead this service and lead this series off. The title of my message is Jesus is Our Lead Story. How many of you know that Jesus needs to be our lead story in our own lives? Amen. He is the lead story in our church in New Life, but he's also the lead story over at Jesus Church. You can't have a name called Jesus Church if Jesus is not the lead story. Amen? So how many of you know what a lead story is? We go way back to when we actually read newspapers. That first, uh, that first headline that was on the front of the page, that was the lead story that that was going to, and it kind of trickled down through other aspects of uh, that paper. I remember when I was 12 years old, it was December 8th, 1976, that, uh, or nine, excuse me, I was 14, 1976, uh, it was the day after a Miami Dolphin football game, I know I, I had to bring football into it somehow, but we were at the game against the, the Buffalo Bills, and you know what, my two older brothers got arrested. I know that doesn't shock some of you, but... <laughs> On, on, <laughs> but the headline that next morning, and it was a very innocent, there was nothing that they did that was wrong. We were, we stood in the end zone, and we used to sit in the end zone, and when they kick a field goal, the ball would go in, and you, you see it on TV, it hits a net, right? Well, the word is, if it goes over that net, and you catch it, you get to keep that football. Well, pastor, the ball went over that net, and our pastor caught that football. And he was holding it up, and we were all cheering and enjoying. All of a sudden, the police decided they wanted the football and came up and tried to take it away. And our pastor has a very strong arm. I st still remember this. His arm was bent back as the police officer was holding it. He grabbed it with his hand, and he threw it from where we were sitting to the ball boy that was on the floor. Well, the next few minutes, it kind of erupted. And they took away both my brother and I, both my brothers. My dad and I ensued behind them and uh, went to the jailhouse to, to uh, get them bailed out. Now, it is a funny story at the end that the picture on the Miami Herald that day talked about the Johnson brothers. And uh, there was a bunch of billy clubs that they said were in midair. But the funniest part of that day was when we got home, it was probably early morning, maybe two or three in the morning. So we walked in, and we didn't have cell phones back then, so my dad had to find a way to call my mom and let her know they were okay. But as we walked in the house, he said, I thank God, Ruth, you weren't here, because I'd be bailing three of you out tonight <laughs> instead of two. So that was our lead story. I wasn't even mentioned in it. I just mentioned the little boy sitting next to him, and that's all I got mentioned. But it was a great story and a great time that we can talk about. But Jesus today is our lead story in our lives. I want to start off with a couple of scriptures to show this. In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. How many know that is Jesus we're talking about here? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through, through him all things were made Without him, nothing was made and that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the, the light of all mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
John 14 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. He has been seen, has seen the glory of, and the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. My, my main portion of this passage is going to be in Acts chapter 4. Because it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 10 says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. He's talking to the Jews here, and this is in, the, in this writing, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. How many of you know that is powerful? That, st that states the authority that Jesus has and where he is at right now because his father God sent him to die on a cross which we, we celebrated that resurrection last Sunday and the defeat of the enemy. How many of you know that the enemy has been defeated? Sometimes we have to speak that into our minds because we tell ourselves too many times he, he's going to win and he's not going to win. But over everything that we have in our lives, Jesus died for the fact that we can take authority over those situations. And God has given us the authority to do that. We just don't walk in that authority. So I want to look at just a few things this morning. And the first point is Jesus is our cornerstone. Now, how many of you know in a cornerstone, when they lay a foundation, there is one corner, one section there that is constructed and developed to where everything else builds out from that. And that's what Jesus is in our life. We can go through life and we can have a wonderful life, but you know what? Without Jesus, the meaning is not there. Because I know some people that, are, that don't love Jesus or maybe never follow, never even heard of him, but yet their lives they think is okay and it's kind of, they're kind of glad what they are, what they have. But I know that in my life, what Jesus has meant to me and how he has directed me and built my life around that. And it's that cornerstone that each one of us need as the basis because he's, he's gotta be our lead story no matter what. Too many people today say they know who God is. How many of you ever hear sports figures will get on there and I want to give glory to God? I want to ask them, who, what God are they giving glory to? Because the God I know of is Jesus. Because the God over this world today is, it does not, they don't proclaim as being Jesus. When you say that name, Jesus, that says that the devil and the demons will bow to him because there are no other name given under his name. And so there's so many gods that, that people begin to worship this, this day. And so I'm proclaiming this morning that Jesus is my God. And that's who I base my life off. Listen to what the, this passage of Scripture says here in John. It says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear so that they will produce even more. How many of you know when you cut branches or you cut um, like grass and stuff, they'll come back a little bit stronger. They'll come in a little bit more further, especially when you fertilize it. And so what Jesus is saying here, there, there are some times when you have to, like when, we, when you'd plant flowers, the first blooms you would cut off because you want more blooms to come on. And so you would do that to strengthen that, that plant. So they would produce even more. He says, 
You, in verse 3, you already have been pruned. He's talking to us now. And purified by the message I have given you. Verse 4, remain in me. Say that again. Remain in me, and I will what? Remain in you. How many of you know it takes work to remain in Christ? It takes, we make a choice for God to remain in us. Too many people think today, well, if God wants me here or God wants me to do this, he'll, he'll do it. I want to tell you something. That is the worst. There is no doctrine. There is no belief system in Scripture that proclaims that. My faith requires work from me. I can get up in the morning and go, throughout life, go through that day. I want to tell you something. I don't put Jesus or put, put Christ first in every aspect of it. There are things that go on in my day that I don't have control over. And it's part of making, I do that almost as a plan of things that I want to get accomplished that day. Why? Because I want to remain in Christ. And I have to keep my relationship fresh with God on a daily basis. And it says, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Understand that, folks. He's telling us right now. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. How many of you think you can accomplish the things that you want to accomplish in life without Christ? There's no way. You won't have the joy and the fruit. What happens is, is people try to accomplish things and do and serve God, but they can't accomplish it and have that same joy and that peace. When you begin to talk to people that have succeeded in life and, to, and hear where, where they've come from, and they have Jesus as their cornerstone. I was listening to the gentleman that won the Masters last week afterwards, and he was giving glory to Jesus but he was reminded of what his wife told him on the last day because he was nervous. He said he was starting to get a little weary and a little nervous, and his wife reminded him who he was in Christ. I love that. Who he was in Christ. And told him, it doesn't matter if you come home and win today and win that, win that Master's Cup. What matters is that you keep serving and chasing after God. How many of you know that, that takes the pressure off? We just keep following after Jesus. There's too many things that, that people want to, to read from the word and, not, and it's not biblical, but yet they want to chase after it. And the word tells me quickly and, and, and for me to stand on it is I constantly chase after Jesus. Everything else will come as he opens doors. But if I chase after him, everything will unfold in his plan that he has for me. Said, I will, repeat, I will produce much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branches. And withers such branches, such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples." See, so many people want to claim and walk around that they're, they're disciples of Jesus, that they're lovers of Jesus, and yet the fruit does not tell, the fruit does not bear in part of their walk. And I'm not trying to be judgmental. That is not the case. 
But you can't speak one thing out of one side of your mouth and speak another out of another side because what the matters is that what you're speaking is coming from the heart. You hear me? What I'm saying is that, that it, what, there, there are things that we have that the world we've let get in here and in our hearts, and we begin to speak, it comes out. But when we put Jesus into our hearts and we put Jesus into our mind, it, that fruit becomes to come out. There's a distinction between those that are truly his, his disciples and his followers. If you're interested in knowing who they are, simply ask yourself, where is the fruit in my life? It convicted me when I got to that point. Where is the fruit in your life? Where's the fruit in my life? He goes on and tells us here in verse 8 again. I want to read that. It says, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. That brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. The part is, the hard part is being remaining in Christ. And, it, and some have a theory or some have the belief system that it's all up to God who remains in him. And I, I'll tell you, I think Jesus tells us and Jesus makes it very distinct that that remaining in God and remaining in Christ is up to us. We have that choice daily. What happens is, is that when we don't remain in him, we become complacent in our walks and we become distracted. How many of you ever gotten distracted in life and you've made a nut-oh moment? You've gotten distracted in your walk, something comes around, and you know you shouldn't do this, but you do it anyway, and afterwards you feel horrible because you know you're not where God wants you to be. And, he's, and you've taken yourself away from that. But I, what I, one of the things I love about Jesus Church, they're young. They're young. I got to hang out with them, their leadership back last month at a conference. I want to tell you something. One thing I've discerned from this is our young people need older people that have gone through and walked the walk through their lives spiritually, okay? They need that not to tell them the do's and don'ts and what not to do. They need it to watch and say, I can be there one day. I can run this race and I can complete this race. But you know what us older folks need? We need those young'uns because a desire and a burning desire in their life that they love Jesus and they love him without abandonment. It reminded me of my first, it, it reminded me of my time when I came to know the Lord and that excitement just burned on me. And I couldn't help but not tell anyone that came around me. I couldn't help but tell, share what Jesus has done in my life. Why? It's because it was that desire I was on fire for God. That week over there reminded me, and I kept telling him, guys, keep pushing. Keep pushing those, leader, those other leaders, and you keep pushing them. That's why we need the young people. That's why this, this, this meshing, or as Dr. Dale said, this mashed potatoes that we're doing with Jesus Church, the blending in is good for all of us. Because we're going to get, those of us that maybe have gone complacent in our walks, I'll tell you something, you're going to get excited. 
You're going to see hungry children, hungry youth, hungry young adults that are serving and down at the altar serving God and they're screaming out to him because their minds haven't been scarred by the things of our lives. Their minds have been understand who Jesus is and they've watched the healing. They've watched him take place, those miracles in their life and they, they're not distracted by those type of things. We get distracted because of some of the things we walk through and some of the things that we have. So we have to remain in him. And we have, to, we have to, to grow. See, fruit grows from its connection. It's produced in the ground. We see the nutrients from the ground travel through the root system. And you know what? It goes out to those branches. Why? To make those branches stronger. There's a process that we see that we can't tell in those branches, but it's all kind of hidden behind the behind inside those branches that's the same way as us as christians like pastor what are you talking about i'm talking about is when we allow we come to know jesus he tells us in his word that he had to ascend to the right hand of the father why is that so the holy spirit may descend and the holy spirit come upon us See, the Holy Spirit is not something we are we're to fear. Holy Spirit is something we're to walk into and allow the Spirit of God to move us, compel us, and to make us in, to help us become those men and women of God that God has, has prophesied over us to be. And too many of us, we, we, we don't want to do that where we're, we're hesitant of walking in that Spirit. Listen to what, he's, what Paul tells us in Galatians. But the Holy Spirit produced this kind of fruit in our own lives. So this is the fruit we're, we're talking about. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. See, that's the fruit that God wants in us. Why is that so important? Because without that fruit of the Spirit, we don't begin to shed the light of who Jesus is in our life. As true lovers of Jesus, true followers of Jesus, as he, as he forgave me of my sins and, he, and the Holy Spirit has descended upon me, I pray that people I come across will see Jesus in my life. I pray that people will, will understand that in my conversation. I pray that the, that the faith that God has given me will help others increase their faith. Why? Because he's given that to us in the Spirit. And that's, the, fruit, that's the, the, the richness and the fruit that we need to allow to come forth and produce. John tells us in chapter 14, verse 15, and I want you to look at this passage. If you read it, you can read it two different ways. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. See, for those that struggle with God and think God is just an authoritarian God, they look at it and saying, if you love me, You'll keep my commandments. I don't, think that's what, I don't think that's what Christ meant. I think what Christ meant is, if you love me, if you truly love me, that love is going to overpower everything else. That love is going to keep you from doing the things that you shouldn't do. How we remain in him. That's how we chase after him. Verse 16 says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive 
Understand that. When we, we talk to people that are not saved or we talk to people that do not know Christ or we talk and communicate with people that don't have a relationship with Jesus, understand the things of the Spirit, they're, they're, they do not understand. Their eyes have not been opened. It's, it's like a foreign language to them. But to us, it opens up a door that we can share what God has done in our lives. And it goes on and says, because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides within you and will be in you. Second point I want to look at today. Jesus is our cornerstone. Jesus is our salvation. That's why we celebrate Easter. We're reminded of what he did on the cross. We're more so reminded what he did in coming out of that tomb afterwards. You know, Friday we talk about the, the terror, the, the torture he went through. And I don't think that's something we need to forget. You know, Jesus tells us when we take our communion, we do it in remembrance of him. I remember talking to some young people last week and I asked them, I said, do you know what Christ went through on the cross? Like, no. And I said, well, do you understand that he was hung on a cross? But when they put the spikes in, they didn't put them through his hand. They put them through the wrist because he wouldn't have any control. When they whipped him, that, that, that whip with him was, the whole purpose of that whip was to tear up his, his shoulder muscles that when he's hanging on the cross, he has no strength to hold on to. And that, so his knees would give way and he would just die that way on his own fluid. The reason they, they put, they, they nailed his feet was the fact that he couldn't lift up and hold on and keep breathing. The torture he went through was personal because he did that for you and I. And I think we need to remember that and what he did to go through that for us. But the day that we celebrate is that, that morning because that morning when Jesus rose again, that the keys of the, of, the, of, of the gates of hell, as we say, were broken and all authority was given to him and he's given it to us through the power of the Holy Spirit so we can remain in him. We can allow the Spirit of God to move in us like it's never moved before. So I want to ask this question, how can I or how can you remain in him? Now quickly, I need to move, but Romans 12, 2 says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove that the will of God is that, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, that's how we learn to remain in God is that we cannot become conformed to this world. And it's sad to say, I think too many believers have become conformed to this world. We've allowed our faith to be tainted. We've allowed our, our scriptures and the world to be tainted. And we got people telling us this is not what Christ meant. This is not what we, you know, God would never send anyone to hell. He doesn't. It's our sins that do that. And it, we, we got people that want to change the word of God so the meaning is taken away and the, and the understanding of what's happening is taken away. That's conformity to this world. But Jesus came into here to be the light of this world. And that's what we have to be as, as believers so what we have to do is we kind of have to train our brain to remain. You understand what I'm saying? We have to train our brain to remain. And he tells us in verse, in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by what? 
hearing and hearing by the what? Word of Christ. So it's important that we hear what God is having to say. That's why Sunday mornings are important. That's why gathering together in our small groups is important because we begin to lift each other up. But understand one thing, most important aspect is getting that word of God into our hearts and our mind. I, there was a Christian artist years ago. He would gotten saved. He's from a Church of God family. And he had written many, many songs for the Beatles, for Elvis, number of artists. But he was on his own. He was in Europe, and he took an overdose. For two weeks, they had him at that point tied to his bed. And he said all he had to look at was a Bible that was sitting on the dresser. And said God used that two weeks as he kind of just came through everything. And God brought him back to his childhood where he was raised in the church, singing in the church. I remember being at his first concert. And he couldn't put two words together. He said he had taken so many drugs that the enemy had just fried his brain. But I heard him the other night, this is 30, 40 years later, how he's now preaching the gospel. Why? It's because Milan the Fever and broken heart. The reason I say that is because he kept proclaiming, even when he would say that the enemy has fried his brain, what God can do. And God can continue to, to renew that mind and bring the word of God, and he began to feed that word. So we have to train ourselves. We have to remain in him, and we have to realize how we speak over things. And without, we have to watch the words that come out of our mouth. The word says that we bring blessings and curses. We have to watch how we speak over things. And those moments of distraction, those moments of, of, of being tired, we can speak some awful things to others. But man, our self-talk, we can talk ourselves in the fact that we're no good. And it's the enemy that's trying to feed us. And the only way we counteract that is through the word of God. I want to show you a story here, and everyone knows it. it's the issue of the fig tree, but this is Mark 11, and it says, on that, on that following day, when they came in from Bethany, Jesus, he was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree of, in a leaf, he went to see, and he couldn't find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for the figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And why is that important? Because the next day when they passed by that next morning, they went up and, he, and that fig tree had withered. And kind of paraphrasing that next portion of scripture, Jesus looked at them and said, you have to have faith. What he's mean is when we don't see the things we think that we need to see, we don't see the promises of God coming through for us. We still have to believe. We still have to speak that faith. When someone is, is maybe laying in bed and, and the doctors have given every hope of them, we still have to speak life over them until that point that they go home. We, no matter what your checkbook says, and, and the enemy comes in at you and says, I don't have the money to do this. I don't have the things I need to do for God. And yet we can still speak life over those situations. We can speak blessings over that. Why? Because we have to do that for our own self-talk. And I'm not talking about living in la-la land. I'm talking about understanding our faith and who God is. We have to proclaim the victory until it's time to move forward and move on. 
and not speak the curses over what God, what God has given us. So we've, we've got that Jesus is our cornerstone and Jesus is our salvation. Third point I want to look at is Jesus is above all other names. And if I can have our worship team come on back up. Listen to this in John 15, 16. It says, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. That's the authority that we have in Jesus. When we speak the name of Jesus over situations, when we speak Jesus into situations, we're speaking that faith. When I was 19 years old, Pastor Carol and I and my mom were leaving work one night. It was, we had been there really late, and it was like 2 in the morning. We're heading home, and my mom looked at me and said, you go last, Carol, you stay in the middle, and I'll drive, I'll, you follow me. We were in a, our offices were not in a great neighborhood in Miami. And as we went through this one intersection, as we went through this one intersection, and we were heading home, a car from a drunk driver hit my mom. And her car bowed up into an a, almost an A-frame. I remember parking her car, getting out, and I went to check on Carol. She was pregnant with, their, with Michael. And she was fine. She told me to go and check on mother. When I got within maybe 30 feet of the car, all I could hear my mom say is, Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, thank you, Jesus. So all she was saying, she wasn't coherent at what was going on. She was speaking out of the abundance in her heart. She was speaking out of what she knew. All the windows in that big Cadillac were all blown, had all shattered. And what marked me and what reminded me is that the, the driver's side window and the, and the uh, front glass had not fallen in. And nothing touched her. She was not scraped. She was not bruised. She was not hurt. The next day, her and my dad had to go to the junkyard where they had taken the car. People came up to her and asked if she knew the person that was in it. She began to share the story. She said, it was me. And they said, we, we figured out whoever was in there had to be dead. The police officer told both Carol, Pastor Carol and I that if it had been one of us, we would, we would not have, we'd have been dead instantly. The impact was so tragic. Why do I say that? It's because when I got out of that car, and she's just sitting there, she's speaking Jesus. Speaking Jesus over the situation that was coming out of her heart. And too many things, we, we allow too many things of this world to come into our mind. So many of us have those accidents and all we think is, why me? Why is this happening? And I praise God that day because he protected my mom and, and saved her. Why is it important how we understand the name of Jesus and who he is? First Corinthians tells us, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord's labor is not in vain. Why do we do that? Because Jesus is our lead story in our life. Years from now, we're gonna, every one of us is going to have that moment 
we look back and how do people remember us? How are we seen? People talk that they, they knew they could see Jesus in their lives. They can see Jesus in what type of individual they were. Are they going to say other things? And I'm not trying to be more, but I'm trying to understand one thing, is that there are times in our life we have to make that, those commitments around us. So I want to encourage some of you this morning. Some of you are praying for loved ones that maybe haven't come to know Jesus and the enemy's constantly in your face like, well, they never will, they never will. I want to tell you, keep speaking Jesus over them. Maybe you feel like your job that you're in and, and have is not where God wants you and the enemy's constantly telling you, you know, don't give up, go on, you go do other things. You don't need to waste your time on a Sunday morning. You keep speaking Jesus over those situations. Maybe other people only see you as how your life used to be. And I think so many of us fight this when we come to know the Lord, that they constantly remind us, they constantly wanna take us back. We're not the same person, but yet they remember us that way. We keep speaking Jesus over, over our lives, over those around us. I wanna close with one story. Sometimes we don't know what God is trying to do in our lives and our walk. But I was listening to a pastor on Easter. And before he became a pastor, he was working. He had said he'd only been saved maybe a few months, maybe a year. He said he was leaving work one day and God spoke to him and said, I want you to go tell your boss about Jesus and invite him to church. And he said, God, he's an atheist. Well, it's just gonna fall on deaf ears. And he said, he heard God say, no, go. So he walked into this gentleman's office and he began to share Jesus with him, said, I want to invite you. Come Sunday morning, it's Easter and Sunday. And the guy looked at him and said, you know, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in your God. No, I'm not coming. So he walked out and walked out and said, God, I did what you told me to do. I honored you. Years went by and he was now preaching. And he gave an altar call and this young man came up to him and said, I, I just want to say thank you because without you, I would not know who Jesus is. And he stopped and looked at him and he said, who are you? He said, I've never seen you before. He said, you came in one day and you shared Jesus with your boss who told you to get out. He was an atheist and he wasn't going to come around. He said, I was working in that office on some, running some cable lines and I was behind the desk, you couldn't see me. But he said, I got up from that moment, called my wife and said, we're going to church on Sunday. Because of what you spoke and spoke over him, I got saved, my wife got saved and my children got saved. So we don't know, understand what the enemy, what, the, what God is doing sometimes and where he's taken us. Our question sometimes is not to, to reason why. It, it, my, my brothers used to tell me it's my, my job not to reason why, but to do or die. I was to follow Jesus and keep speaking Jesus in your life. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you today, if you're here, and maybe there's something in your life that you're struggling with, there's, there's prayers that haven't been answered or maybe you're questioning or the enemy is making you question who you are in Christ. 
or why are you coming? Why are you serving him? I want to ask you just to get out of your seat and come to this altar. Because I think there is, there is something here that God is trying to do this morning. We're getting ready to sing a song, I Speak Jesus. If you remember in those words, it says, I speak Jesus over my family. I speak Jesus over the strongholds. I speak Jesus over my situations. Maybe you're standing in today for someone else that you know that's going through a rough stretch or is having a rough time. I want to encourage you, folks. Step out. Come to the altar as we sing this song. Lay that down. Give it over to God and begin to let him take control. Begin to speak Jesus over those situations. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we thank you today that no matter what we go through and what we fight through, Lord God, we continue to speak Jesus in our lives. We continue to speak Jesus over our situations, Lord God. That he, we speak it, Lord God, to keep him fresh in our hearts, in our minds. We speak it to help renew our minds and to renew our hearts that we could fight off the enemy. Every time we speak Jesus, we take a step of authority over the devil who is trying to bring curses and destruction into our lives. Father God, I pray this morning, as we step out and we come to this altar today, Lord God, begin to break those curses over our life, begin to break those situations over our lives. Father, for those that are praying for family members to come to know you, Lord, I pray, may this be the beginning that we speak Jesus into their lives today. We, no matter where they're at, or maybe it's over our finances today, Lord God, we step out and we speak Jesus over that right now. Maybe it's on the relationships that we're walking through. And we speak Jesus over them, Lord God. Help us be what you've called us to be. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory this morning, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, let's, let's take these next few moments as we sing the song. I want to encourage you. Step out of your seats. Get out of your comfort zone. Come down to these altars. Let's just begin to lift our hands. Let's begin to speak Jesus over those situations today that we can have that victory. Amen.